Good morning, Coastal. How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing all right? Anybody excited about the future? I, I know that I'm, I'm pretty excited about the future and what God's doing, and uh, I can't wait to see what he does here later this year. And uh, just an FYI, today is going to be uh, a, a little bit different. I was not supposed to be speaking this morning, uh, but on Friday, there was, a, there was a major change of plans in our life. Is that Shayla was actually supposed to be speaking here today to us, and you'll understand a little bit later why we, there's some, there was a change of plans. But uh, I, I really believe that, that, that God has something for us today. Uh, but before we get started, uh, everybody say next weekend. Next weekend is Easter, and we've got three uh, Easter opportunities here at Coconut Creek. We got 9, 11, and 12.30, and uh, man, we're expecting big, big crowds and lots and lots of people, and for part of that, we, we need your help. We need you to, I know that this is a popular service, but if possible, if you can, if you can make some seats for people that come in, you know, la last Easter, we had close to a, a thousand people at this campus uh, for two services, and so we're trying to make room, and our church has grown, and so we want to make room for them. And so if you're bringing a guest, man, come to the 11 o'clock service. If you're not bringing a guest, choose one of the other services if you don't mind. But also with that, we're going video in our Pompano Beach location so I can be here for every single service. And so uh, next weekend, we're going to try something a little bit different. We're going to welcome our Pompano Beach campus uh, to us. And so can we practice that really quick? So what's going to happen is I'm going to say, man, we want to welcome everybody online and at our Pompano Beach campus. And, and then I, I, I need us to kind of go crazy for them a little bit. Is that cool with y'all? Because they need to feel the love from you guys. They don't feel the love from me. They need to feel the love from you. Okay. So uh, on the count of three, I'm going to do that. Okay. One, two, three. Can we give it up for everybody online and at our Pompano Beach campus, man? We're so glad that you're with us. Love you guys. You guys have got it down. Down pat, perfect, okay. So, uh, today, I, I, there's, a, there's a, a quote that, that I absolutely love. It comes from an old revivalist named Leonard Ravenhill, and he says this. He says, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of that opportunity. Let me repeat that, because some of you, let me rewind it a little bit and give that to you again, because some of you didn't get it. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of that opportunity. I was thinking about that this, this week, and, uh, and I was thinking about life and how so many times we just get caught up in life, and a lot of us get caught up in life, and we just watch life. We watch life happen. We watch life pass us by, and we just are viewing life from a distance, and, and if we're not careful, life will just continue to move on while we're stranded in one spot, and so what happens for a lot of us is a lot of us see life happening, but we're not experiencing the life that's happening around us. We see miraculous things taking place in people's lives. We see miracles happening. We see transformation taking place around us, but we're not experiencing it in our own life personally. And, and I think it's really, really easy for us to become a mere spectator in our life. It's easy for us just to, just to become an admirer of life rather than somebody that actually experiences life and rather than somebody that's actively engaging the life that's happening around them. And for a lot of us, what's happened, I believe, is that we've just become mere spectators to the life that's happening around us. And I learned this uh, uh, quite a few years ago. I was in Africa in uh, 2012, and it was my first time ever going to Africa. I went with uh, Children's Cup, it's a missions organization we support, and, 
and we were going around and we were checking out their care points. They were showing us what they do to see if this was something we wanted to partner with as a church. And at the end of that, that trip, they decided that for our last day before we flew out, we were going to go to Victoria Falls and experience Victoria Falls, one of the seven wonders of the world. Incredible, incredible experience. And uh, as we were driving there, I was looking at brochures for Victoria Falls and I saw that there was bungee jumping in Victoria Falls. And I thought to myself, man, bungee jumping in a third world country, that's right up my alley. You know, it's like, that's perfect for me. I'm not smart, but I have fun. And so uh, I decided, man, this, this would be a good idea to do. And so it's between uh, Zimbabwe and Zambia. So it's kind of no man's land. So if, you, if, if the bungee breaks, you, you have nobody to sue or anything to do because it's like in between countries. And, and so we get there, and, and I go, and I sign up for it. I pay for it. I'm walking out there, and I look over the edge of the bridge, and I realize that's a long way down. It's actually 364 feet down into croc-infested waters below, and I thought, man, this, this, this seemed like a good idea when I was imagining it, when I'm actually seeing it. It doesn't look like a good idea, and all of a sudden, some fear started to well up inside of me, but I'm like, I, I can't check it out. People are here to watch me do this and fall to my death, and so I don't want to disappoint. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm waiting in line that binds your feet up, and there's this girl that's in front of me, and, and, and it's her turn to jump. They hook her up. She's standing at the edge, and they count backwards. They go, five, four, three, two, one, and on one, you're supposed to jump off and experience bungee jumping. Well, they go, five, four, three, two, one, and she doesn't move, and so they just shove her off the edge, and you hear this girl, ah! you know, she's just like, and I thought to myself, I don't want to be her, and so uh, I'm like, man, I need to dip out right now, but, but they're like, it's your turn, and so like, there's nowhere to go, and so I kind of hop up to the edge, and, and they go, five, four, and I just dump off, I was like, ain't no way somebody's pushing me off this bridge, if I'm dying, it's by my choice. In that moment, I learned what it's like to be a yo-yo, a human yo-yo. You go down, you come back up, you go down, you go back up, and they, they walk the dog. They did all the tricks with me. It was awesome. But having done that once, while there was a measure of fear when I first did it, I think I could do it again without any fear whatsoever. And I think it was one of those circumstances in life where you got to make a decision. Am I going to let fear dictate the decisions of my life? And a lot of us have allowed fear to become our dictator in life. It's telling us what we can and what we can't do, what we can and what we can't accomplish. And it's keeping a lot of us from experiencing life and it's making us a just a mere spectator in life. And I'll tell you what, you want to have a close relationship with God, jump off a bridge. You'll have the greatest prayer meeting of all time <laughs> on the way down. It'll increase your faith like never before. But as I look back on that experience and I reflect on that experience, and it was one of the things that was on my bucket list of life of things that I want to do, you want to know what ended up being the greatest experience of that event is the most fearful part. It was the first step. It's the first step that seemed dangerous and difficult and stupid. 
And I believe that there are a lot of moments in every single one of our lives that are terrifying, that are crazy, that are death-defying, that are worth doing, that are the moments that make this life come alive if we won't just be a spectator in the moment, but we'll be a participator in that moment, that we'll step out and experience life. Now, I'm not saying we should go start Coastal Connect groups for bungee jumping, even though I would, I would join yours if you do decide to do that. I think a lot of us have this mindset where we think the goal of life is to end up safe at death. And I think you've got to have this moment of realization in life that the quicker you step out, the more satisfying it is stepping out. The more you experience in life, the, the more things you enjoy in life, the more blessings of God that you receive. And so many of us live with a mentality that we try to avoid hard things and we try to disengage from difficult moments and, and we live in fear and what happens is, is what we're doing is we're robbing ourselves of life itself. And you can't read about Jesus and think that Jesus just wants us to be a spectator in life and have this easy, cushy, safe life because Jesus pushes us to the edge of everything. Jesus is challenges our mentality on everything and he's going to put us in moments that are difficult and are scary and are, 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 are sometimes death defying to us but it's when we embrace those moments that the adventure of following Jesus really begins to manifest itself in our lives and all of a sudden we start walking in his footsteps and we start experiencing the miracles and the signs and the wonders and the life that he intended for every one of us to experience in life. And, and, and there are places you don't want to go, but when you go there, you're like, man, I'm so glad even though I was terrified of that place that I went to that place because that's where I experienced Jesus the most. And sometimes we choose safety over risk. And a lot of us, what happens in life is, is, is God is calling us and, and challenging us to step out in faith and, and tell somebody about Christ or invite somebody to church. And you're like, man, but I'm going to risk my reputation. What if, what if they reject me? But what if they don't? What if that's the moment that you this week invite somebody to one of our Easter services and it's the moment that they go, you know what, I'm going to try God for once. And they show up here and at the end of the service, they raise their hand, they make a declaration of faith that they're going to follow Jesus. And, and they would have missed that moment if you didn't risk. Do you know that four out of five people would show up to church on Easter if you invited them? So that means if somebody rejects you, you got four yeses coming behind it. That risk in life might be confronting some sin that you have in your life. That risk might be confronting a friend of yours' sin in their life. You know, I know that goes against the grain, that goes against our mentality in life. We would, we would never naturally do that, but it's in those moments that God takes our life to the next level. It might be for some of you going on a missions trip and maybe jumping off a bridge in a third world country. I don't know. 
For others of you, it might be trusting God with the first 10% of your income. For others, it might be, well, you've already done that. Now God is challenging you to go above and beyond and maybe stepping out big for this immeasurably more building project. I don't know what it is for you, but I believe that there comes a moment in every single one of our lives where we've got to make a decision rather than being a mere spectator to all of a sudden becoming a participator in the life that God has intended for us to live. And a lot of us are just settling for spectating. And I don't mean this as a rebuke as much as I mean it as an encouragement that, man, some of us were missing out on a life that God has for us. And God has called you and I to be a difference maker. And we're missing out on the difference he wants to make in our life by not trusting him and stepping out. Listen, there are two kinds of people in this world. There, there are those who read history, then there are those who make history. There are those who watch things happen, then there are those who make things happen. There are those who, who, who uh, will just endure the, the negative things in life, then there are those that will go out and change the negative things in their life to a positive. There are those who will just be a spectator in life, then there will be those who, who will listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and follow him wherever he goes and risk everything because they know that there's something greater on the other side of that because the Holy Spirit wants to make things happen in our life. And I don't believe that we can study scripture and the gospels and follow Jesus and follow it in his footsteps and lead a passive life. I don't think he's called us to lead being a mere spectator. He's called us to make things different. He's called us to make things happen. And you aren't just here to let things happen. You're here to make things happen. You're not just here to read history. You're here to make history. And one of the things I love about the word history is if you were to put a hyphen in the middle of it, it's literally his story. God, what he is trying to do is he's trying to write his story in your life and try to make history out of it by transforming you so you can transform the world around you. And so my question for you today is, is, are you just spectating in life? Are you just sitting back watching life pass you by? Are you letting life pass you by in your marriage and just hoping that it will get better and rather than stepping into it and making it better? Are you just uh, spectating when it comes to your kids and you're going, oh man, somebody else better do those things? Or are you jumping in the middle of that and, and helping them change in their life? Are you, just, are you just spectating in your relationship with God? Well, God, if you want to do something, just go ahead and do it rather than you jumping in and participating and following hard after God. Are you spectating or are you participating? And there's a passage of scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 14 that I want to take a look at this morning. And it says this. It says, one day Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outposts. So basically what's happened, let me give you some backstory. The Philistine armies have surrounded the Israelites. They're outnumbering them by massive amounts of numbers. And so the Israelites are in this place where they're kind of hiding. They're defeated in life. And this is what it says. It says, but Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. Meanwhile, Saul and his 600 men were camped on the outskirts of Gibeah around the pomegranate tree at Migron. No one realized that Jonathan had left the Israelite camp. To reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs that were called Bazes and Sena. The cliff on the north was in front of Michmash. The one on the south was in front of Geba. You would think they could come up with some better names, wouldn't you? I mean, come on. There's got to be some better names for these. He says, let's go across the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. 
He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. And listen, we're going to come back to this verse right here, verse 6. I think this is one of the most powerful verses of Scripture uh, in the entire Bible, and it's something I've lived by my entire life. We'll double back to it. He says, do what you think is best, the armor bearer replied. I'm, compl- I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. All right then, Jonathan said, we will cross over and let them see us. If they say to us, stay where you are or we'll kill you, then we'll stop and not go up to them. But if they say, come on up and fight, then we will go up and the Lord will sign. This will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. Now, their plan is terrible. Can we, get it? Can, can we all agree? If they say, stay right there, we're, we're going to lose. If they said, come up and fight us, come attack us, we're going to kick their butt. That, that sounds like a terrible plan. Anyways, when the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then the men from the outpost shouted, shouted to Jonathan, come up here and we'll teach you a lesson. Come on, climb right behind me, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat them. So they climbed up using both hands and feet, and the Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer killed those who came behind them. They killed some 20 men in all. Their bodies were scattered over half an acre. It's like a scene from Braveheart. They're just slaying people. It says, suddenly panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field, including the outpost and raiding parties. And just then an earthquake struck and everyone was terrified. Verse 23, so the Lord saved Israel that day. Now, obviously, this is the turning point in the battle for the children of Israel, and God saves Israel that day, uh, but it starts with one thing. It starts with one guy saying, man, maybe we ought to do something about this. Maybe, maybe instead of just letting history pass us by, maybe we should write history. Maybe we shouldn't just let things happen. Maybe we should make something happen. And there, this verse, verse 6 gives us a, a, a mindset that Jonathan lived with and, and, and a mentality that he had. He says, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. And I love that statement because it is not a passive statement. It is a statement that is full of faith, that is very decisive in life. It's not a, sta- a statement of passivity. It's a statement of proactivity. He's saying, man, I'm not going to wait for something to happen. I'm going to go make something happen. And he refused to accept his circumstances. He said, man, I believe that God can change my circumstances now check this out we're reading history that jonathan wrote because he didn't settle for what was happening around him he made a decision as dumb as it was he said listen i'm gonna listen to the voice of god and i'm gonna have the courage to climb that cliff and fight this enemy that outnumbers me because i'm gonna live by this one statement perhaps the lord will act on my behalf perhaps the lord will act on my behalf for nothing can hinder the Lord. And let me just be honest. I think most of us live with the exact opposite mentality of that. Our thought is, is perhaps the Lord won't act on my behalf. That's a, how a lot of us approach life. It's why so many of us are passive in life because we think, well, man, I, I'm going to hesitate because I don't know that God is going to show up. I don't know that God is going to be with me. And, and, and instead of stepping out and being an, a, a participator in life, we end up being a spectator to the life that God intends for us. And, and because we're saying, Lord, the Lord won't act on my behalf, doubt keeps us from acting in faith and allows fear to dictate our decisions. Now, before I get real personal for us individually, I, I want to kind of put this in a little 
corporate perspective for us as a church. You know, people will ask me, man, what, 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 what is the heartbeat of Coastal? And, I, and I'll say this all the time. We want to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, so they can know, and so they can follow Jesus. Everything that we do is built around that. It's about people knowing and experiencing and following Jesus. We'll do anything short of sin to make that happen. And man, we've got a vision to see that take place all over our community. Man, we have a vision to see the community of call your city transformed. We don't want to just be in there once a month doing an adopted block. We, man, my vision is, is that we'll be in there every single day of the week helping a community that is broken and hurting, helping them get some direction in life, helping them so that those kids aren't growing up and traveling three blocks down the road to the city jail, but all of a sudden they'll be traveling 30 miles away to a city college and getting an education and seeing their lives transformed and their community transformed. And I'll go do anything I can to see that happen. Man, I've got a vision to see the communities of Tajikistan and Tubalicia and South Africa and the surrounding communities. Every single child have the opportunity to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ, to be fed on a daily basis, that they shouldn't go home hungry, that they would have a church that would love them and care for them, that they would get the medical care that they need so we can see an entire country transformed. And I'm not going to quit until every kid is taken care of there. I have a vision to see a, a building take place in Parkland so we can hurt a community that is broke so we can help a community that's broken and hurting right now but not just in parkland but in pompano beach but in in in, in coral springs and and down in fort lauderdale man it's not just a vision for one campus it's a vision for campuses all over the place and i know that i'm talking really big and high level here but the reason i'm doing that is because i believe that god is going to do something amazing through our church and let's be honest we don't have the resources for any of that we don't have the finances for that. We don't have the manpower for that. But here's the thing. I love that. That is great because perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Just perhaps. I think that as we take what we do have and we utilize it and we do everything we can with that, we go and we care for people the best that we can in, in Tubalicia and Tajikistan, South Africa, and we care for people in Collier City. We care for people right here in our community in Pompano Beach that as God looks down and he sees, man, their hearts are sold out to that vision. Man, I will pour out my blessing on them and I will give them all the resources they need because they're saying, perhaps I'm going to show up. And you know what I do when people trust me? I show up on their behalf. I'm way more fired up than you are. I guess because I'm actually living this, and some of you are just watching it. Let's make it personal. It's the truth. It's the 80 20 rule 20% of the people do 80% of the work. This scripture is a great example of it. There's, there's two dichotomies here. There's Saul and 600 men. Picture this. Saul is sitting under a pomegranate tree, and some guy is probably there waving a palm branch, keeping him cool. He's popping pomegranates like they're candy. All you health freaks, he was the first person that got on the pomegranate kick. He's got 600 of the baddest warriors in Israel at his side. And he's sitting there doing nothing. 
because he's already given in to defeat without even having a battle. On the flip side, you've got Jonathan and his armor bearer who instead of sitting there passive just waiting to be defeated, decide, man, we're going to go see perhaps God's got something more. And they start climbing the cliff, and you can almost see every muscle fiber on Jonathan as he's climbing that cliff, believing that God has got something incredible there. And it's this amazing contrast between somebody who's letting things happen and somebody who wants to make things happen. So let me ask you this question. Which picture are you living? Which posture are you taking in life? When you come to church, are, are you engaged in worship or are you concerned what everybody else is doing and how they sound? And are you just are you kind of just fumbling through the words? Are you really looking at what those words mean and going, God, man, I'll... nothing compares to you. You have no rival, Jesus. You have no equal. Are you singing that with all of your hearts? And it's easy. I, I find myself doing it at times. Where I'm just going through the motions and just spectating rather than participating. How about it when it comes to sharing your faith? How about it when it comes to prayer and fasting? And I know that that's a spiritual discipline that isn't talked about a, a whole lot. But here's what I know. Even if you're not even good at it, you're, you're just the, the activity going, God, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set something aside because I want more of you. tells me that you want more of God. And, and when you start pursuing God, you know what God does? He shows up in your life. Are you growing in grace? Are you growing in generosity in your life? You know, one of, one of Shayla and I's goals is that every year we increase a percentage of giving that we have. And, man, if we keep going, it's going to be amazing to see what we can give to God. But here's, here's the big one. And it's really the heart of the issue here. It's the difference between being a mere spectator in life and being a participator, somebody who jumps off the bridge and embraces all that God has for them, and that's learning to discern and obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit in your life, who is here to help you and lead you and guide you. It's, it's the difference between somebody who's passive in their faith and somebody who's active in their faith. And, and, and I've experienced this, this more this week than probably ever before, because most of you, if you've been around Coastal, you've, you've heard Shayla and I's story, the fact that we can't have kids and all of those things. And, and every January, we, we come back to this question, God, what are you doing in our lives? And we know that you've given us a promise for kids, even though we haven't seen that promise come to fruition yet. We're not letting go of that promise. But how do you want us to act on that this year? And this year we heard God say, man, we want you, I want you to take care of the kids that are already out there. And, and so we, we know that there's a great foster care organization called Four Kids. And so we said, okay, man, we're going we're gonna to start taking steps. And, and this past Thursday night we were having our connect group at our house. And uh, this marriage connect group, and we had all these people over. It's, it's like 645 people are arriving. And all of a sudden we get a call from Four Kids. And they go, hey, we, we've, got, we've got a child that we need you to come pick up right now. Uh, he's waiting for you. He's five days old. His name is Alex, and come pick him up. And so, this is my this is my little boy Alexander.
And that's my hot wife. Sorry, I just, I just had to throw that out there. And listen, I, 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 let me just say this. This has nothing to do with this message. Honestly, I have no idea if you're doing life by yourself. If you're not in community, I don't know how you're doing it. Because here's the amazing thing is we had this incredible connect group at our house. So I think we have a picture. Not all of them are there, but that's, that was a lot of them that were there early. We took this picture right before we left, and, uh, and, and we weren't prepared. No, nobody's prepared when a move of God happens. You just, you just roll with it. And they said, hey, we're, we're not group, doing group tonight like normal. We're not learning about marriage. We're learning about Target and baby products. And when we came home, this is what we came home to. And, uh, and, and so listen... They would have done that if that was anybody in the group. It's not because we're pastors. It's because we can't do life alone. And some of you guys are trying to do life alone, and you're wondering why God isn't speaking to you, because he uses other people, just FYI. And so, listen, we got to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. It, it took us a while to get that prompting, but when we did, man, we started obeying it. Now, what I don't want you to do is really encouraging. You're going to go home today, and you're like, I'm quitting my job tomorrow. Don't do that. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta understand the will of God and hear His voice, and and you gotta discern that voice. And and so I want to talk a little bit about the will of God, but I also want to talk about the promptings of the Holy Spirit here, just for a few moments. And and I gotta roll. And so Susie, if you keyboard people, I, I'm just gonna roll through this. And so you guys can just make your way up, because uh, I'm supposed to be at another campus right now. But I want to talk to you. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Because here's the thing, we've all heard the story of Peter walking on water. Liz, you can come on up and play. Um, um, sorry to call you out like that. Uh, we've all heard the story of Peter walking on water, but here's the thing. Peter only walks on water because he heard Jesus' voice call him. You don't step out of the boat until you hear Jesus' voice. If you don't hear Jesus' voice when you step out of the boat, you're going to drown, okay? So let's make sure you hear his voice. How do you hear his voice? I'm going to tell you how you hear his voice. You get familiar with his word. Because his word is his voice. And you start listening for that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. And you put the people around you that have heard his voice before. So that you go, hey, I think I heard Jesus. And they're like, no, 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 that was pizza from last night. That wasn't Jesus. We need some of those people in our lives. And here's the deal. You're not always going to know 100%. I've never been 100% positive that that was God's voice. If I'm 80% sure, that's 100% positive for me. And I would rather risk trusting Jesus because I thought it was the Holy Spirit speaking to me than doing nothing. Because God sees that, man, I'm, listen, I'm with you heart and soul. Even if I, if I risk failure, I don't care because I'm worth, it's worth failing for you. So, so what does the will of God look like in our lives? Number one, the will of God is not an insurance plan. It's a daring plan. In fact, my Bible terms this section Jonathan's daring plan. And I think a lot of us, we approach the will of God as an insurance plan. It's, 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 it's my plan to, it's my fire insurance for heaven. And really, our, the will of God is a, a, a daring plan. Jesus didn't die on the cross for an easy life. He died on the cross so he could make us dangerous in this life for him. So we could go and we could transform culture that looks nothing like the culture that God wants. So we can go and bring light into dark places and freak some people out a little bit about the light of Jesus. That is not normal. That is not average. That is not uh, mundane. That is not behind the scenes. That is daring in this life. 
And some of us need to realize that, man, God is calling us to dare to step out beyond our comfort zone and live for him. And that means that we're going we're gonna to build buildings and we're going to reach people and we're going to do whatever it takes to see one more pe- person come to Christ. And, and Jesus is going to put us in some spots. And it's going to be risky, but it's always worth it. Number two, and I hate this one, the will of God doesn't get easier, it gets harder. I know a lot of people think, man, I'm going to follow Jesus and it's going to be rainbows and butterflies. No, it's going to be thunderstorms and showers. I'm serious. When, I, when we started this church, I did everything. Life was easier. But as we've grown and more, more than 800 people come to our weekend services across all four services and, 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 and we've grown in staff and we've grown in resources and all of those things, you know, I don't know what's happened. Things have gotten complicated, but it's gotten better. It isn't easier. It's actually harder, but it's better. And I think that so many times God wants to mature us so that we'll step into more and more difficult things and more dangerous things and more risky things so that we can see the miracle of what God wants to do in our lives. And he doesn't just give us a singular miracle so that we can go, oh man, it's all downhill from here. God does miracles in our lives so that he can get us ready for the next bigger miracle he wants to do in our lives because he knows it's going to get harder so we can look back and go, God was faithful then. He's going to be faithful now. I'm going to step out and I'm going to risk it because it isn't going to get easier. It's going to get harder. And I don't know what the future holds, but I do know who holds it, and I trust that joker. He is Jesus Christ. He's not a joker, but that's okay. Really, he wants us to... He puts us in harder situations so we will trust him deeper. And finally, the will of God doesn't always make sense. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense in this story. Jonathan Armour Bearer, 600 people, which would you choose? God chooses the one that doesn't make any sense. Let me close with this. Two years ago, we took a mission trip to Africa. I do a lot of stupid things in Africa. Maybe I shouldn't go there anymore, but... Uh, uh, out of sight, out of mind, risk it all. That's how I lived. And uh, it was our anniversary. We stayed after, after the missions trip. We sent the team back home, and we stayed after, and we spent some time in Cape Town. And my wife knows that I like doing stupid things, so she, she saw that there was great white shark diving there. And so she's like, oh, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get TJ this for our anniversary. And so she, she bought me this package, and, and I remember driving out there. It was it's. It was winter in Africa, which is, is not a great time to go in water. Uh, it was like 30 degrees of uh, the water. And they drive us out on this boat to this place called Seal Island where like a billion seals are because that's what great white sharks like to snack on. And so they cut up seals and they start chumming seal parts all around this boat. And then they drop this cage in the water and they go, who wants to get in and see great white sharks? And nobody does except for me. I'm like, hey, I'm in, I'm in. And nobody wants to get in because it's 30 degrees. They're like, that's, that's crazy. And so I get in my wetsuit, I look foolish, and I jump in. And as soon as I hit that water, it is freezing, and I just pee all over myself. It is the best feeling of all time. I know, TMI, but it's, 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 it's important. You need to know that. So next, if you ever do it, okay? And over the next hour and a half, virtually nobody else got in the cage. And I got to watch great white after great white after great white come up. Finally, the last one came up. He was about 15 foot long, weighed over two tons. 
And uh, as he was swimming up, he rammed right into my cage. I pooped my pants at that point. It was awesome. I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. I peed again. Uh, And then the guy was like, hey, it's time for you to get out. And as I'm crawling out of the cage, I look up on the boat, and everybody is on the boat. They're dry. They got their cameras attached to them, and they're snacking on snacks. And I honestly, I get a little angry because I'm like, man, what? I'm freezing my butt off and peeing on myself, and you guys are just up here eating snacks, and I want a snack. And... But then I started feeling sorry for them. Because they saw great white sharks, I experienced them. And when I was getting out, I, I kind of termed all those people, I called them boat huggers. Don't be a boat hugger in life. Don't just see what life has for you. Experience what God has for you in this life. Step out and take the risk and see if God doesn't show up and show off God's, the will of God is not an insurance plan. It's a daring plan. And it's going to get harder It's not going to make any sense, but I promise you, it'll be the greatest thing you ever do with your life. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with us?